0: Can we give it up for Jesus? One more good time. So good to be with you here this morning. And we're excited about what God is doing as we're going to be jumping into part three. Forget Religion and Find God. And just a disclaimer, as we've said every week, this is not an opportunity just to beat up on religion all day. It really is. Yes, let's leave religion behind us, but let's pursue God. Let's be God chasers. Let's find out what it's like to have that true relationship with him, to know him in an intimate way. Before we jump into it, can we just invite and just say hello to all of those that are online watching and those that are clean campus. Let's just put our hands together, tell them how much we love them. And if you brought your Bible or if you got a smart device that you look at your Bible on, you can hold it up. If you got nothing at all, you can hold your hand towards the screen because we got it all for you. But we're going to make a declaration over our life of what we are believing for. Let's say it together. Say, Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Your word changes me from the inside out. I am ready to receive. Willing to obey your holy word in Jesus' name, amen. So we're coming into part three today, and I just wanna recap quickly what part one and two was about. If you weren't here, please check it out online. I think it's critically important. As Part one is really the what. Right, We looked at the vision that God has given us to know him intimately, to find freedom from our past hurts, shames, pains, guilts, to be able to discover the God-given purpose that God has placed within our lives and then to go out and make a difference in the lives of others. I just want to brag on you for a moment and thank you at the same time. For bringing your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, or so many that have invited people this month, as we know we're going into the series that we had, and we wrapped up our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I just want to give you one report. over the last three weeks, we have seen 250 people give their lives to Jesus in just the last three weeks. That's pretty amazing. So I just want to say thank you for stepping out. I know it's not easy. It's just once you start doing it, then you, as long as you're peeking during the salvation call and you get to see your friends and your family get saved, then it makes it even more worth it. And you are allowed to peek, FYI, when I say heads bowed, eyes closed. If you brought somebody peek, just don't let them catch you. Because they'll be like, yo, dude, close your eyes. And then last week we looked at taking care of the inside versus what religion teaches us is all about taking care of the outside. Religion wants to present itself as something that's got it all together, but inside Jesus said it's corrupt and it's filthy. He said first wash the inside of the cup, representing our heart, our inner being. Take care of that first, and the outside will take care of itself when you care for the inside. And it really comes down to a heart condition that were made of three parts, body, soul, spirit, and our spirit was created to relate directly to God. So when we take care of our heart, the scripture says above all else, guard your heart. For out of it will come the direction of your entire life. So as we guard our heart, we're going to be now leading into the how. I promised you last week, we're going to talk about the how. How do we work all this out? I had a gentleman come up to me after one of the services in the lobby. I had quite a few people, but this guy stood out. He's a big dude, had an unfortunate uh, Dallas Cowboys jersey on. And he came up and he said, man, I just got to ask you, how do I love people that are difficult to love? And I said, well, you got to come back next week. He's like, I knew you were going to say that. I said, in the meantime, you can pray for your Cowboys. For the first time in history, I have two of them on my fantasy football squad. It's been kind of a taboo thing. And this week, man, that guy did not pray for me. Dak got hurt, and Elliot didn't show up, and I lost, okay? But I'm still going to fulfill the promise today. We're going to get into the how. How do we walk through the whys? That's what we were looked at last week was why God cares about this why God cares about you, why God cares about leaving religion behind you and truly having a relationship with him and what that means and looks like as it bears out in our life. Why do we want to love well? Why do we want to do these things that God has asked us to do? And when we're looking into that, we really need to learn how. And I got a little bit of scripture I'm going to peel open today and then we're going to get into some talking points on that. But we're going to start it right here in Mark chapter seven, verse five. It's Jesus again talking to the religious. He said, to the Pharisees and teachers of religious law, he asked them. They they asked him, "Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition?" Now here's what it came down to is they were watching, the religious were watching Jesus' disciples not wash their hands before they ate. Now this does not give young people an excuse to disobey mommy and daddy and not wash their hands before dinner. But this wasn't just a cleansing thing. This was really a traditional religious thing. They thought they were more holy to God when they did this. And so they're asking Jesus, why doesn't your people do this? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. And then here comes Jesus right down the center again. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Interestingly enough, this message has been planned for months out this morning in our one-year Bible reading plan, we read the prophecy of Isaiah from the book of Isaiah, which Jesus is quoting here. And he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach, and here comes religion, man-made ideas as commands from God. But they ignore god's law and substitute it with their own tradition so this is starting to dig into the how and when we look at this last one we kind of reverse engineer this because they're doing the opposite of what they should be doing. How do we truly walk this out? How do we grab a hold of the what, become a good steward of it? And he's telling them, you're doing it wrong. You're ignoring God's law and you're substituting it with your own tradition. So if we want to do it right, we have to embrace God's word and not substitute our own tradition in replace of it. And that starts to bear out in every aspect of our life. Then he goes on. And he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. So one of my traditions is typically I'm only going to wear white, black, gray, blue if I really feel wild and crazy that day. And I missed it this morning. I have to repent to the church. My wife bought me this floral shirt. And I put it on, and my whole family was like, eh, eh, that's more like a Maloof shirt. Not a guilty shirt. I was like, all right, I'm not going to wear it. Then I come today and everybody's wearing floral. Kenneth is wearing floral. Fawcett's getting up looking amazing in a floral shirt. I was like, I missed it. I totally missed it just because I was sticking to my tradition. Then Jesus called to the crowd and listen now. He says, come and hear. All of you listen. Are you listening, church? Try to understand. It is not what goes into your body that defiles you, you are defiled by what comes from your heart, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it is the direction of your life, above all else, guard that inner being, and we're going to talk about how to do that. We're talking to talk about how to truly, truly love well and do all those things that we talked about last week in just a minute. But I want to just dig into this for a second. When a person is growing spiritually, it can be seen by two main signs in their life. One, they become more and more happy with each day. Do you know that sin binds you? Doing the wrong thing cripples you, depresses you, discourages you. Doing the wrong thing makes it harder to wake up with joy in your heart the next day. But when you're doing the right thing and you know that you're in the right standing of God, then the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. And every day you wake up and you can declare, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Number two, their relationships with others are constantly improving. We start to learn how to love people who are difficult to love. We start to learn how to to do these things with the right heart. And so really what I'm telling you today, the big how, how, to pull off the why and the what that we talked about is to grow spiritually. We must continue to mature as believers. Paul talks about it. There comes a time where we just, as a new believer, need spiritual milk. But then there comes a time where we got to get off the bottle and it's time to eat some meat or a vegetarian patty if that's what you prefer, but no more milk. So I want to talk to you about how to grow spiritually because here's the essence of it. When you grow spiritually, you're going to see it as we go through it then God himself becomes the how you can guard your heart, the how you can love well, the how you can be clean on the inside. In other words, you can't do it alone. So there is no easy fix. Do these three things, and all of a sudden you become pure, and clean, and you love well, and you do all these things. Right now, when you set yourself up for success with God, God's power begins to work in and through your life, and through you, He does things you can't do. Are y'all here? So I want to show you an illustration, and I've asked Daniel's youngest son, Lewis, to come up and help me and. He's a young strapping lad with Swedish descent, but he's American down to his bones now. And what I want to show you is what we typically do in religion or tradition, because you may say, well, I'm not a really religious person, but remember what religion is. Religion is man-made ideas taught to people as commands from God. So there's things like, well, this salvation worked for me when, when I raised my hand and went down front and I think everybody should come down. Well, that was your experience. I saw Jesus in a bathroom. Imagine me having to hold everybody to my standard. You're not really saved unless you see Jesus in a bathroom. We can't fall into tradition, we must fall in, but this is what we want to do. So we get a new believer, somebody comes to Jesus, they're, they're hungry, they're ready to learn more, they're ready to be better, they want to grow spiritually, and the first thing we do is, well, I'm just going to set them up. So I'm going to tell you, Lewis, this Bible here is very special to me. It was used by three different revivalists to speak in the Native American reservations all over America. And it was first preached from in 1965. It went down three generations, and then somebody gave it to me, and it's in the King James, because it ain't the real Bible unless it's King James. So I want you to read that, and it's even a Dake Study Bible. You see that? Can you see all that? It's got all the—you need a magnifying glass, but you'll be okay. We'll get you one of those, too. And when you get a little confused— Here's a strong concordance. If you guys heard me referencing that the old testament, you paying attention, to something you need to listen now. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament is written in. See, you don't know, it's written in Greek. So this is every Hebrew word and every Greek word found in the entire Bible, which will tell you what it really means in English, even though that book's already in English. Okay? And then you need a good old Bible dictionary. The good old Bible dictionary teaches a lot of history, a lot of places, geography, archaeology, all kinds of really good things. You just don't want to be without that. So you need that. And if you're going to get a Bible dictionary, then you must have the foundations of Christian doctrine to go along with that Bible dictionary, which help explain how all this and this mean this to you today. you you tracking, right? And then this is one of Daniel's favorites right here. Daniel is a theologian to the marrow of his bones, a, theolo- a theology of the New Testament. And you want it to be written by a guy that has a name like this, George Eldon Laud, right? So you'll figure out what that means once you get about three pages into it. Then we got one of my favorite books of all time why revival tarries this is why the church is dying and why it's not reaching its cities for jesus you need this if you're going to believe you believe in for revival in your school if you're not you better be and if you are you better read that book then there's a good book called the tale of three kings which breaks down what bad leadership looks like versus good leadership in the kingdom of god you definitely want to be that because everything rises and falls on leadership speaking of leadership john maxwell who is probably the world's most renowned teacher on leadership and a good man of God. This is five levels of leadership, and son, you definitely want to be at level five by the time you're done reading that book. And then this is one of the first books I read, but not the first. It is Developing the Leader Within You, because if you're getting all right there, you're shaking a little bit, son. You need some help. Hold on, we're almost done, okay? And then, and then, the very first Christian book I ever read, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I thought I was a good leader in the Marine Corps until I read this book. Then I realized I was just being a good manager, not a good leader. Definitely need that book. And then, of course, the latest leadership book I'm reading right now, Lead Like It Matters by Craig Rochelle. Happens to pastor the largest church in the history of America. Definitely. America, you hear me? Definitely. I want to get that. Now, Lewis, what we want you to do is go find a little dark corner with a light hanging and shaking above it and get through all this as fast as you can. Come back and I'll give you more. You ready for all that? You can set it up here. You want my help? You got it? There you go. Can we give Lewis a big hand? He's going to be like 10 times stronger after this message. But this is what we typically do to people. Is we try to force all of this down. And what I want to do today is talk about the three fundamental things. And how to truly grow spiritually. All those books will help. Of course they will. There's other things that will help outside of these three things. Of course they will. But we want to talk about the foundation. What did God set up in his word? God didn't say go read Christian leadership books. What did God say in his word to give us a foundation to build our lives on so that we can grow spiritually and become better and better and stronger and stronger. Y'all ready for it? Number one, get in the word daily. Read your Bible daily. Listen to it daily. I don't care how you do it. People can say, "Well, if you're not reading, you're just listening." It's really not the same. Well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. I think God doesn't care. It'd be great to do both, but at least do one of them. And I'm going to tell you the why's behind the how. Is Joshua chapter one verse eight? Study this book of instruction. The Bible is not just a good book. The Bible is not just any ordinary book or even, even a book that is, is somewhat helpful. The Bible was given to us by God as the standard for our lives. It is the blueprint. It's the owner's manual. It's to help us be the best The best spouse, the best parent, the best child, the best worker, the best boss, the best friend that we could possibly be. The Bible is literally Jesus in words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh, and His name is Jesus. The Bible is more than just a book. It is the living word of God. So study this book of instruction continually. Now watch us now. Meditate on it day and night. And that can feel overwhelming. It doesn't mean you got to read for an hour in the morning, an hour at night. But you got to start somewhere. Even if it's just one verse in the morning one verse at night. Now I do the one year Bible reading plan and I do the Old Testament in the morning. I do the New Testament and the and uh, Proverbs and Psalms at night. But even if you don't do that, just take part of it. If you're starting out, do the New Testament morning. Say the Psalm and Proverbs for night. If you just feel like, man, I don't even know where to begin, we can help you with that. But meditate on it continuously, watching this. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. In all you do, in everything you do. And you might say, well, I'm doing pretty good at my business right now. Well, how's your marriage? Well, actually, it's not too bad. Okay, how's your children? How are they working today in the society that's just flipped upside down and turned inside out? Well, I think my kids are actually pretty decent. Okay, how's your driving in Austin? Because I could talk to you about mine. Every one of us, please never get to the place where you think you've arrived. Because the moment you feel like you have arrived is the moment of your descent. All of us have to continue to grow. All of us have to continue to get better, to get stronger. And the Bible is the living word. I've read through it more times than I can count. And I can tell you every day that I read it, something jumps off of it that I can't. Man, that's in the Bible? How did I not see this before? And the reason why I didn't see it before is I wasn't going through what I'm going through today and God didn't illuminate it in my heart to make it stick. The living word of God, working and teaching every single day. Look at this next scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. So don't get in arguments of agnostics, atheists, when they want to say, yeah, but the Bible's really not from God. It's from man, man wrote. It. Okay, great. God inspired it through men, 44 authors, 66 books across thousands of years. And yet they compile a perfect story that leads to one conclusion. And that is Jesus is the answer for all humanity. Like in the end of it, I can get into a debate with somebody and break it down. I can tell you that it is still used as the number one historical reference in the entire world. It is still used as the number one resource for archaeologists in the world. We can get in all those head knowledge, but I'm going to tell you, when you get into the word of God and it illuminates something on the inside of you, and you know that it's only God who can see deep in your heart and begin to speak to you and help you and coach you, you don't need all the statistics. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. People all the time are like, hey, when are you going to bring this person under correction? They're not really like, they're coming to church smelling like alcohol every day, like they just got drug out of a bar, <laughs> I'm going to keep teaching them what they need to do for their personal life. And the Holy Spirit and the word of God takes it from there. Are you hearing me now? This is God's heart and desire that each and every one of us are in his word so that he can talk to us. He can father us. The Holy Spirit can take us to school and teach us all the things that we need. Of course, there's instructional things that I'll talk about. Of course, there's right and wrong that we should do and avoid. Of course, there's all those things and I'll never shy away from them, but it's not mine or anyone else's job to be anyone else's Holy Ghost police officer. It is your opportunity, your responsibility to get into the word continuously, daily, And allow the Holy Spirit, still to this day, I hold my Bible to my heart every time I read it and I ask the Holy Spirit, help me. Show me what I need to do better at. Help me, coach me, bring to life your word. The things that I need to see that I have not seen, the revelation that has been awaiting, the things that you wanna speak into your people's lives, make this word come alive in me. And then I read it and every time it does. Am I perfect? No, we're near. But I know my faults. And I don't know them because I'm special. I know them because the word keeps telling me that I can be better, that I can do better. But it doesn't come down in this condescending way where I feel like, ugh, man, I'm just never going to get it together. No, it just keeps coming in a convicting way like, you got this. Just get back up. Keep moving forward. You'll do better the next time. The word of God is critical to each and every one of our lives and you're not special I mean you are don't hurt your feelings but you're kind of not in other words you're special to God he chose you but you're not special to avoid the things that works that God says works are you all with me number two have a lifestyle of prayer family stop using prayer as your 911 system oh lord I need you now now you needed them before it happened, and it probably wasn't ever going to happen. probably wasn't ever going to happen. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. It's tied for the second shortest verse of the Bible. Really simple. Three words, pray without ceasing. Which means prayer becomes a lifestyle. And it breaks down in Philippians and gives us even more instruction on how to do it. Look at this in chapter 4, verses 6 or 7. Here comes the how. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It's just that simple. Stop worrying. Stop letting anxiousness or anxiety or stress or fear overtake your life and just take it to prayer. Tell God what you need. And religion makes prayer itself feel like it's such a holy thing that you need to make sure that you're locked away in a special room and probably a closet somewhere and you got stuff all over the wall. And that's cool if you do. But you know, you can make your car into a place of worship. You can make your car into a sanctuary, just begin to pray. You can make the shower your prayer room. You, you could do it when you're walking through the halls of your office. You can do it when you're sitting at your desk. And it doesn't have to be loud and obnoxious. You don't need to pray where everybody else can hear you. You just need to pray where God can hear you. Because all prayer is, and we see it right here, prayer is just having a conversation with God. So you don't have to be on your knees and have your hands folded just right. Oh, Lord, in the name of the mighty, holy Jesus. I beseech you, Lord. You start stalking that King James stuff. You know you're on the wrong path. That's old English. We're new English. Okay? You don't need that. You just need to talk to God. And you can talk to God just like you talk to anybody else. Just maybe exclude some words. Tell him what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Just had a family text me last night, and I got to read it first thing this morning. I can't say their name, I didn't ask for permission, but the wife was battling cancer about five, six years ago. And myself and our our leaders and our, our elders went over to their home, as the scripture says, let the elders of the church come forth and lay hands on them and believe for healing. And we did that. And just in a few weeks, she was declared completely cancer-free. Isn't that amazing? But just a few weeks ago, They came to me in the lobby and they said, the cancer's back. We just got the report from the doctor and the cancer's back. And then I heard the most beautiful things come out of their mouth, but we know God. And we know that he is faithful. And that he that has begun a good work, he is faithful to finish that work. So we're not afraid of any of this. We know that God is going to see us. And just last night, I got the praise report that she is cancer-free all over again. Isn't that God amazing? And I know as a church we should do better at telling you about all these things, but there's continuous things happening within our body healings taking place, deliverances. We've seen so many miracles already this year that are taking place. We're just not putting them on the display like the religious like to do, but we should be doing a better job at least telling you about them so you can celebrate what God is doing and that it'll build your faith. Look at this now. When we do this, when we pray about everything, tell God what we need, thank him for what he's done, then you will experience God's peace. And God's peace trumps everything, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace, here it comes, will guard your heart. So how do I guard my heart? I pray about everything. I don't worry about anything. I'm in constant communication with my God and he will take care of the guarding himself. His peace will come upon me and he will guard my heart as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good stuff? Number three, attend church regularly. Notice I don't say attend church every Sunday. That's impossible. I don't, I'm don't. i out here every Sunday. I do take vacation. But attend church regularly. Regularly. Not not out of religious duties or traditional duties, but I'm gonna show you the whys and the hows in it. Hebrews ten twenty-five, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He's coming back, folks. I promise you he is. As a matter of fact, in the month of October, we're going into an entire series called The Return of the King, where we are going to study the return of Jesus. The number one question asked by Christians in America today is are we in the end times? Are we in the last days? Here's my response to that. You're in the only time you got. (laughs) And you are living your last days. They may be another 30, 40, 70 years from now, but you still, that's all you got. You got what you got. So let's make the most of what we got. But I do believe I will be able to to announce to you in October the exact date and time. You ready for this? The exact date and time of the women's conference. because the exact date and time of Jesus coming back, no one knows but the father. Jesus himself doesn't even know. But if I could picture what the heaven scene looks like, I picture Jesus on the edge of that throne waiting every day because when you hear this return of Jesus series, it's not a horror story, it's a love story. He's coming back for his church. He's coming for his bride. And I can see him sitting on the edge of his seat every day, Father, it's today the day. It's today the day I get to go and be with my bride. Is today the day, and I can hear the Father saying, hold on son, we can reach one more. But what if we can reach one more? It's the only thing holding back the return of Jesus is the fact that there are still so many lost people in this life. So we're gonna be going into that when we get into the month of October, and I promise you it's gonna be something that is incredibly life-giving and not spooky, scary stuff, okay? Look at this now. Matthew 18, 18 through 20, Faustin quoted it. We're gonna peel it backwards and read verse 20 up to 18. For two or three, this is the why behind the how, Where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. That means when you and me come together to decide we are going to have church today. Because church, by the way, isn't a building. And church isn't a Christian. Church is the gathering together of God's people. That's what church is. We are the church. He ain't coming back for a building built in 1980 something. He's coming back for you and me, us together. And when we gather together like this, Jesus gives us a promise that he's already here waiting on you. So you know what that means? One plus one doesn't equal two anymore. What does one plus one equal in that? Three, some of you are like, I ain't guessing, man. You're gonna, I'm going to be wrong no matter what I do. And you would be. One plus one doesn't even equal three. One plus one equals whatever you need because Jesus is here. There is a power in our agreement. Look at this. I tell you this. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven, he will do it for you. There is a power in our agreement when we come together. That you can't find anywhere else in scripture and you'll never be able to find anywhere else in life. You may be seated just a few seats down from somebody that you don't even know. But the power of the agreement of you just coming together to worship God in this time. That you are using your time to worship God. It starts to stir something in the atmosphere. And look what starts to happen. I tell you the truth. Whatever. Somebody say whatever. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted. heaven. what does that look like? When we come together, we need to start forbidding cancer to be in the body of our believers. When we come together, you need to push your plate back a little bit and stop forbidding poverty to be overtaking your life. When you come together with a believer, you need to be forbidding divorce and all this hurt and pain in the family unit. We need to forbid the local schools to brainwash our kids to hear what they want to hear. We need to forbid. Are y'all with me? We need to have faith to believe that whatever we bind here on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven, not because us, but because Jesus is among us. And we are his church. What about those watching online? Well, we have three kind of people watching online. So I'm gonna talk to online people just for a second. If you're watching online because of health, continue to do exactly what you're doing. If you're watching online, just so you guys know, we have... People from all over the nation and, and other nations around the world tuning in to us. And if you're watching because you don't live geographically, your home isn't near Austin, keep doing what you're doing. I just met a lady in the lobby last week named Lisa. She said to me, I moved from Tennessee here to be a part of this church. I was praying. God led me to your website. I watched the services and I decided that's where I'm going to live. So you can move here if you want. We love our Canadian family out there that's watching. Come on in your family, but if you're home watching out of habit, mm, that's a bad habit because you can't get this there. We get this when we are gathered together. I love you anyway, but get your butt in church. Okay. And what happens when we miss the mark? And I'm going to tell you the devil's trick. start your one-year Bible reading plan, you miss a couple days, you're on vacation, life got busy, and all of a sudden, he's in your ear. Look at you. Can't be consistent in anything. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't growing nowhere. And what you got to do at that moment is just silence his voice and hear what God has to say, because when you mess up, you you don't wallow in it. You're never down. You're either up or you're on your way back up. But you're never down. So what do you do when, man, I've been going to church regularly and all of a sudden I fell out of it and I don't know if I'm going to go back. They probably won't even recognize me. And all, all this crazy stuff starts to go through your mind. And I just got a simple statement for you that I hope will help you. That the ability to handle failure is the beginning of true spiritual maturity. When you fall down, get back up. None of us are perfect. All of us missed the mark in some area at some point. Get back up. Do it again. And just strive to be better the next time. Are you all with me? I'm going to give you one final quote. It's one of my favorite I've ever heard. Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. St. Catherine was a martyr. Gave her life for Jesus. It was the last words coming out of her mouth. She was a teenager speaking this before she was about to be murdered for just saying that she believes in Jesus. And she screamed out with her last breath, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. We're actually gonna be touching base on that in the women's conference in October. It's gonna be awesome. Can we just thank God for his word today and just give him praise for making it so simple for each and every one of us.